right, and welcome everybody to another episode of Work Stoppage. This is a very special episode for a few reasons, not least of all that it's episode 69. All That's right. right. That's the one we <laughs> all waited for. We did it. The show's yeah. over after this, folks. Uh, you know, uh, other shows celebrate when they hit 100, but really, we figured this would be a much nicer celebration. So, right. you know, th- th- yeah. that's really... It's pretty think, nice. We, yeah. we, we're just going to do multiples of 69. So then 69 and then 138, and then uh, I'm not adding any further than that for you, dear listener. So, uh, But the other reason that this is a very special episode is because Lena has gotten in contact with a couple of guests who are going to come on and do an interview with us regarding the specific conditions in their workplace and it's really exciting because they are working in the legal field which is a field we do not get to cover a whole lot here on this show uh so we'd like to welcome in our guests who we are going to call jake and glenn welcome in folks and then lena do you want to lead us off with any of the questions that we have for our uh, guests here today or maybe give a little bit more background on their situation well Actually, I was thinking that uh, maybe we can uh, kind of just actually defer directly to the experts here sure. and and um, maybe uh, Glenn or Jake, I don't know who, which one of you would like to take this, but uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the situation you're in and and what you're attempting to accomplish. Yeah, I'll, yeah I can take that. Um, so hi, I'm Glenn. So we are employees at Hudson Legal, um, or otherwise known as AJPR, um, Axton, Talentopia, um, North American Immigration Law Group. Uh, we have many, many company names owned uh, by the same people. Talentopia, and, wow. Yes, Talentopia is the newest, the newest and latest um, endeavor. And uh, we, the workers of Hudson, have tried unionizing before in 2018 with the UP, but those efforts fell short um, due to, of course, um, union busting. And so uh, we tried it again right before the pandemic closed everything down back in 2020. And uh, July of this year, we filed for an election uh, with the NLRB, and currently we have over 70% of employee support. Wow. Oh, nice. Wow, that's really good. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so I guess one of the things that's that's obviously going to be different with this than some of the other interviews we've done, and really some of the other stories just generally that we cover on the show is... We don't really see a ton, or at least we don't read about in the media, a, a ton of union organizing at law firms. And so if you could, what have been kind of some of the unique challenges that, that y'all have faced trying to organize in an, an environment like that? Like, obviously, you've mentioned the the union busting campaign, but because like, you know, we talk about on the show all the time, the the general types of tactics that people see, but I have to imagine actually organizing within the legal field you that comes with its own specific set of repressive measures that you've seen so uh, if you could just yeah you know like tell us what it's been like trying to organize in in that kind of an environment when you know rather than necessarily having to go out and you know like in the case of starbucks for instance hiring a law firm to be union busters it already is a law firm so they've already got all these legal resources so 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 what's that been like yeah so they actually they have hired a law firm um the good people at 
What, Vargas or something? Barnum? Hello. Yeah, uh, the lawyer's name is Miriam, Miriam Rouse A.U., if anyone wants to look her up. I'm just a gem of a person, but... <laughs> um, yeah, back in 2012, uh, Subway paid her $300 an hour for her work. Whew. Wow. wow. Not surprised. That that is a that is a normal paycheck for a union buster. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, so we I mean we, we have a few problems that other people don't have. Um the big one is probably that there's a lot of employees at the law firm who are attorneys, obviously, and they are completely exempt from union law. Oh so interesting. We've been told that they can unionize, but they couldn't be in a bargaining unit with us and at our company, their management anyways. So they're not going to be part of the union. Okay. But there's also um, confidentiality issues that come with our clients. Building community support is a bit harder because it's a bit trickier to tell people exactly what's going on without disclosing you know, case information that we don't really want right. out there. And that probably uh, that makes it much harder to do outreach also, as well. Okay. I have to imagine and build anything resembling like community support because you can't just go airing out the contents of cases to the general public. Yeah, we should because uh, our firm is not good to its clients. <laughs> um, if they're listening, you should. Uh, check out maybe another oh, well, firm potentially. Just just because we were talking about this before. To preface everything in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> everything we will be discussing today is uh, you know, not necess- not facts from, you know, the hosts of the show. Everything in this is allegedly in Minecraft, etc. <laughs> these are these are not our opinions. They are the solely the opinions of our completely anonymous guests. That's right. And it's not it's not not does not constitute legal legal advice. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I should say me and my colleague are not lawyers. We are paralegals, so um, do not you know. If we tell you to commit crimes, don't do that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, what are some of the issues uh, in in the relationship between uh, such employees as paralegals and other non management legal workers? What's the what are the conditions of the relationship between them and the management and the other types of like executives that are that are causing um, the the need for a union organization in this case? Yeah, because like every worker deserves a union, obviously, but every union drive, because every business is different, is going to have you know different motivating factors, different specific attributes that are the key drivers the you know behind the force of of your your union organizing and so if you could just just tell us about that like what what are the conditions at hudson legal that have 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 led y'all to to start this effort yeah well um you know i would say that you know uh, hudson um and we're gonna refer to the law firm as hudson because that's what it's mostly known as by the employees Mm-hmm. Um, and not the clients, though they know as like other other names. Um, but we have had um, you know high turnover rates. Um, so management seems uh, intent on giving us you know unsustainable workloads um, and burning people out. So and by over retaining clients and. Um, 
and then when we tried to be like, oh, we don't have enough people to cover all these projects, like we should stop, like we implored them both individually, a bit more collectively, we, the paralegals went through, you know, as many channels as possible to try to raise the alarm, like we were able to talk to our supervising attorneys, we were able to talk to the training managers, we tried talking to HR, and um, ultimately, upper management's uh, goal is to make a profit. And so they over-retain clients, and they continuously find ways to uh, skirt other costs, like employee pay um, and health benefits. Like, for example, because we have offices in different locations, um, and now since the pandemic, we have uh, remote workers in different states where we have no offices. Um, not everyone has paid sick leave. Um, so someone who is in the same position as me, but they live in a state without mandated paid sick leave, has absolutely no sick leave. They have to use either like their like minor like or their limited vacation paid mm-hmm. vacation days, or their allotted ten unpaid days. Um, for any illnesses. So, um, you know, so every, well, pretty much it seems like almost every contract, even though for the same position, is different based on the state laws um, where the employee lives. Um, and then we also have non-transparent grievance policies. Uh, we have had people fired over typos um, because management didn't like them. But, you know, other people, you know, have typos all the time and their jobs are still there. So there's really no clear grievance policy to hold management accountable and to also hold each other accountable, um, as well as, you know, sudden changes in policy that we are supposed to know, but they aren't communicated to us. And so then we, the workers, often receive repercussions for not knowing which policy is new. So, um, you know, and then also with the pandemic, management um, created a work-from-home benefits program, which made, because at the time, we had too many clients for employees, and so you could have um, indefinite work-from-home if you promised to take on additional work every week. You wouldn't have to return to the office. So throughout the pandemic, remote workers who never would have to report to an office were hired, and they they never had to worry about being forced back into the office during the pandemic. And then you had workers who were remote, but wanted to essentially needed to take on extra work in order to ensure that they weren't forced back into the office too early. But then you also had folks like paralegals who were in person who are like legal evidence specialists and and other um, type of more like forms, paralegal work and reception. And they've been in person for the majority of the pandemic with very, uh, you know, you know, allegedly, um, very confusing and non-transparent uh, worker safety protocols. Um, in addition to, you know, a hostile in-person working environment during uh, the high uncertainty of the pandemic. Right. So we have come together uh, to, you know, as a lot of workers do, increase wages, better health care, more daytime off. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it seems like from what you said, there's there's literally no like formal structure to how employees are disciplined and for what uh, whatsoever. It's it seems to be completely ad hoc at like the kind of the whim of management, and that's that's got to be absolutely brutal for for being in a workplace. I did want to ask you, what is um what is client over retention? Is that just when you keep stringing someone who needs an immigration law firm at some point? like beyond the actual services they need, or is it something else? So they'll take on anyone's case who comes to them and meets certain like very minimal qualifications. Or it's our academics that are all applying for two particular types of visas. And as long as they can like squeak by on our strategy, we'll take them. Oh, That's okay. a problem for them because some of our clients that I've seen really, they won't get approved using our legal strategy, but we take them anyways. So they're kind of just throwing money and time down the drain. Right. And the other problem is that there's not enough people to handle all the clients. So our firm lies to clients all the time. Like we will tell them constantly that, you know, such and such is why your case is delayed when. In reality, we just don't have the ability to do it because we have, you know, 500 more clients and we have people to pay attention to. Right. That wow. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so can you, like, obviously you've mentioned that, that Hudson, their business is, is as, as an immigration firm, but could you explain like specifically like what that means, like what's like area of immigration that they're focused on? Because obviously, you know, with the U S is draconian <laughs> immigration system, like that's, that could mean a lot of different things. Uh, so if you could like give our, our listeners an, an idea of, of specifically the, the area of, of work that, that Hudson is focused on, or, or if it is, you know, a, a really broad base. Yeah. Uh, Hudson has a very narrow scope of, um, highly skilled uh, immigration. So um, those immigrants who are you know, mostly scientific um, academic PhDs. So we so um, you know like postdoc researchers or industry engineers, um, you know, fossil fuel uh, people. Um, so so Im- so immigrate um, so immigrants, you know, from all around the world who are you know, have gotten PhDs in from uh, non-American institutions, or who have gotten their PhDs in science um, in the U.S. Uh, so we, you know, um, so a lot of like the news, um, with, like the immigration crisis, you know, throughout the U.S. mostly focuses on um, other, I guess, classifications of immigrants. So our law firm, you know, kind of zeroes in on. Um, you know, um, on STEM uh, most of the time for, um, you know, getting their green card, like it's like the step after their like, H-1B visa or uh, J waiver visas. Um, and so they want um, permanent residency in the United States. So like this is high stakes, um, high stakes immigration case um, for many of our clients because um, they would be, they will, you know, be able to live in the U.S. lawfully and um, continue their career 
around for various uh, ideological health and other American interests. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, additionally, you mentioned uh, that that you've been working with the United Electrical Workers Union. Uh, I was wondering a little bit about if, if is that the union that you had also worked with when during your previous unionization effort, um, as well as like what sort of um, things have they been doing to kind of help organize uh, you and your your colleagues? So the union is kind of coincidentally the organization that uh, that worked with Hudson workers the first time around. We didn't know that going in. Um, the people from the last drive were mostly fired or gone by this time. And it just happened that two of the people that started kind of this time around, one of them was friends from a UU with a UU organizer. Okay, that makes um, sense. So that was a happy coincidence, but they've been great. Um, I mean, they've provided us with a lawyer, you know, um, <laughs> kind of stuff like that. Also a lot of strategic help. A lot of people at our company, you know, are seasoned union activists, which, you know, this is America. Not a lot of people are. So right. they've been kind of helping us, helping us understand the process, um, kind of getting us in touch with legal resources when we need it and stuff like that. Yeah. And so you'd mentioned like with Hudson being basically, you know, operating nationwide, and therefore there being employees all over the country. And especially, you know, as you were, you were just talking about with so many people working remote when the company hiring more remote workers due to the pandemic, that's got to be a, a particular challenge as far as organizing a union, because you're not all co-located. So can you just, you know, tell us what, what's that been like what sort of strategies you've you've tried to employ that you can talk about obviously you know because because things are ongoing uh but what what sort of ways that that you've you've all tried because obviously getting to 70 percent that's a huge like success like i mean obviously the process is still ongoing but that's great so obviously there has been whatever you've been doing as far as the organizing strategies has, has, has shown some success. So what sort of, you know, methodologies have been successful for you as far as organizing folks who aren't all in the same location? Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, I think it was really helpful that um, many of us knew each other in our local offices pre-pandemic. Um, because we used to work in person uh, in our, you know, um, offices. And so it wasn't really until, you know, summer 2020 when we started realizing that folks from different states were just being individually hired. So the earlier efforts really focused on local offices and trying to identify um, supporters or just like just general support and um it also, you know, helps that management was uh, keen on dragging their feet with extending work from home and um, with trying to get us to do more labor in order to, you know, promise us the privilege of working from home during a, a pandemic. And so it started off with a lot of um, reaching out to 
our, you know, in office colleagues and saying, hey, like, we feel like we should extend work from home a bit longer than like a month. So it started with, you know, petitions like that and building the conversation there. Um, and then, you know, as, uh, you know, our quiet over retention escalated and how, um, you know, management took away some of our benefits, uh, like gym reimbursements in the beginning of the pandemic, um, but wouldn't give them back to us until like end of 2020. Um, that you know kind of spurred people to see that management wasn't treating us well, even though we were remote. Um, and so I think as we submitted more petitions and talked more about our working conditions, we also started reaching out to um, like uh, these newer remote workers. Um, and I don't know, uh, maybe my colleague here can uh, explain more about how that kind of that process about reaching out to remote workers uh, started. It's hard to reach out to people when you're not with them. We primarily did it over internal work communications, which was pretty risky. Uh, the, one, one of the people that owns the company is a computer guy, and so he's pretty big on all the spyware kind of software. Right. So we had to kind of reach out to people, keeping things very vague, saying, I love to talk to you about something. I just can't tell you what it is. Yeah. And then hope and pray that they're willing to call a stranger uh, who may or may not work with them. You know, give them, give them their phone number. I mean, if you've got 70% support for the union, I imagine, though, that it worked and you did you did get a pretty good response of people who got in touch with you. Do you credit that to just like the apparency of the, the bad conditions in the office or, or something else? Yeah, I mean, so Glenn talked about how they were trying to get us to go back to the office throughout COVID, um, you know, at the height of the pandemic. As far as we know, the company's owners were in Taiwan at that time, okay. which had like wow. a very different and much better COVID response than the U.S. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, like our Chicago office was a COVID testing site. So they were trying to get people to just kind of walk into a death trap. And that doesn't sit particularly well with people. Yeah. Um, this is like a history of abuse with them that goes back a really long way. There was one person in management who was literally in the emergency room and the owner was calling them, telling them to come to work. Wow. Holy there shit. was an attorney who was let go simply because a client's name was spelled wrong in one place in a 40-page document. Um, wow. And it didn't go to the government or anything. It was just uploaded for proofreading, which is, you know, it got caught and everything was worked out. Right. So. Yeah, like, I guess you might be able to understand something like that if say that happened on a, and as you said, like it got filed with the government and then the case got lost because of that. I, I mean, that would still seem pretty extreme, but to just have it be show up in a proofreading session, right. that's insane. 
Yeah, no, this, this is this is the first of five revisions it's going to go through. There's <laughs> right. no way. Yeah, like it doesn't get pulled. I was just working with a lawyer because we were uh we're doing it we're co we're turning uh the farm that I work at into a co-op and and like they had spelled my name wrong on the document right before we signed and we fixed it right there before and it was fine. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I don't I don't that's that's absolutely ridiculous, but. Um, I mean, obviously, these work conditions are are appalling and, and unfair, be- especially because they're not outlined well, which could be done, you know, more consistently through a contract. But um, I know that you are going through this uh, election or you're, you plan on going through the election to get an NLRB recognized union. Um, and but I also um, heard you earlier talking about um, uh, circulating some petitions or. Um, uh, maybe some other sorts of actions that you've done to either show strength from the from your union or to maybe get people more on board um, in doing actions. Um, uh, how, how have those really like like what sort of actions have you done like along with the petitions and and what sort of effect has that had on your union? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I think the. Um you know, the petition, the, the initial petitions, which were more office-based um, to extend work from home, kind of morphed into a more uh, company-wide petition back in April of 2021. So, um, so that, you know, kind of was like the early outline of our union's platform. So, you know, higher wages, uh, work from home, uh, working time off, grievance policy, you know, all of that was was in there. And so we got, um, you know, over, we were able at that point, we weren't dropping the U word at work, like on work channels or even to um, some of our membership. It was just more like, hey, let's, you know, submit this to management because in the past, we have been most successful in gaining any sort of benefits by coming together. And so we got, I think, of people to sign on the April petition. Um, and management's response to that was two days later, they sent out an email to only certain people who were affiliated with an office and who were not in person during the pandemic saying, oh, your work from home has been extended indefinitely. <laughs> um, and then, you know, wow. after hours, yeah, and then after hours, um, uh, HR sent an email to all of the signatories of this petition saying, please come to HR individually. Mm. Mm. Oh, boy. Um, and so, you know, we claimed the indefinite work from home for some employees as a victory. And so then we sure. decided, let's have our um, team leads and team lead assistants who are more like the, like, um, like editors and they do more like administrative messaging with clients mm-hmm. and evidence review. Well, you know what? Because so many, because we had so many clients, um, they decided we're not, you know, going to be working overtime until you address our petition. And then, you know, once again, if management sends an email saying, um, if you are concerned with your workload, please come to us individually. <laughs> right. Later, yeah. yeah Management, you know, came back with an email saying, 
you don't have to take them. They're not mandatory. If you bring them to the come to us individually. And so we were able to show that um, you know, management wasn't interested in listening to us collectively at that point. And then we were asking people, well, have you ever gone to management individually? What happened? And a lot of the time, it's they didn't get what they asked for. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Yeah. yeah. Because they want you, they want you to line up one by one, like yeah. cartoon henchmen, so they can punch you out, you know, <laughs> instead of coming at them all at once and getting what you want. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it kind of, but then all of a sudden in May, uh, we got, you know, we're June. We got um, a one-time work-from-home reimbursement. Uh, we also got Black Friday as a now paid day off instead of an unpaid day off. Mm. Um, and so, of course, we claim this as victory. And at that point, you know, we were able to show people, especially people who were hesitant to talk to us before, that like, hey, look, we just got all of this indefinite work from home. We increased our pre- healthcare premium coverage um, from 50% to 70% for most employees. You know, and they won't say it's because of the petition, but it is. Like, right. It has happened. And so we did our union launch events in early, like, mid-June where we finally like had cards to sign. And so that really began the um, like, like, really like rigorous um, union campaign. So we still refrain from using the word union on work channels until July of this year. That's so awesome. I mean, really, that is that is the exact uh, way that it makes sense. I mean, you do an action, you get some, uh, you get some concessions, and you use that as a method of explaining to the workers that you have to stand united in order to get anything. I I really commend that as a as a really great practice. It's pretty pretty awesome. Right. Well, and it also did a great job, like specifically, like the way that you were responding to how management tried to keep you know, nipping that in the bud to easily demonstrate to your coworkers that the, the myth that HR is there to help you and not there to just be spies for the company is, is clearly wrong because obviously every time y'all were proposing something completely reasonable, they start trying to individually pick people off by by getting you to go through those HR meetings like I like I know we were we were talking about the problems that were going on I mean obviously completely different field but like at Activision Blizzard where their HR was being used to sit completely to do that to run interference for management and to get rid of all the harassment complaints that were happening there and be, because there wasn't that strong organization in place there for people to check notes it took them months and months or I don't, I don't know the entire length of time for their organizing effort, but for people to finally be able to like get together and share, Hey, I went to HR and they fucked me over. I went to HR. They fucked me over. Wait a minute. Right. <laughs> These people don't actually work for us. <laughs> and and so the, the methodology that, that y'all use obviously like just demonstrates that right away where every time each, each like collective group has one very simple demand and the immediate response is not, Oh yeah, no, you you guys are right. We we should do this. It's hey, please, please come to us one by one. 
<laughs> so, so, so that we can, you know, have that power imbalance over here. I'm really excited for um, when you guys win and you um, are and the company is forced to recognize your wine garden rights because then, then there will be no more one on ones with management. You know, that's that's definitely something to look forward to that that you would always have someone backing you up. Uh, I was just curious, once you did finally start to become um, open about what the union organizing campaign was looking like and you started using the word union, so to speak, like like not being secretive about it anymore. What was the initial response and what kind of union busting tactics did you face in response to that? Because you did mention they hired that lawyer, but I'd be curious to hear if there was anything else. (coughs) Yeah. So the union busting has been like incredibly extensive. Um, our lawyer says it's worse than McDonald's. Ooh, um, wow. I talked to somebody who organized at Walmart yesterday and they were like, this is, you know, uh, at least Walmart levels. So Damn. the main thing that they've done is they've set up this shell company called Palantopia. Palantopia hires people. It gives them training and it is their only employer, but then it misclassifies them as independent contractors. So they work for a flat rate without overtime yeah. benefits, without health benefits, access to unemployment. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and so they've started kind of building this SCAD army. Um, and that's kind of their biggest strategy. This is completely illegal. Like I, I'm, I'm sure most of your audience knows, but you are not allowed to start a new company to to avoid having a union at your old company. Right. Um, and then they've also done a lot of other fun things. They've threatened to dock our pay for hours that we weren't in work, even though we weren't clocked in. Um, they've uh, stripped people's disability accommodations and retaliation yeah, for participating one. in a union. Yep, I'm still yeah, that. that's a real fun one. Yeah. Um, oh, they also, uh, Jake, they also said, when he said, how's it legal? We, you know, have, you know, enough signatures. And we, we filed uh, July 22nd, 2021. Like, hey, we have, you know, this, you know, this many, like, you know, cards with the NLRB. And then Hudson comes back saying, actually, we only have about, like, 40 employees. Um, and, and so we had to file two more election petitions um, for HIPR and then this like weird co-employment HIPR at slash Hudson uh, because of all of these shell companies. Um, right. Our, a lot of our paychecks say different company names. Uh, so that was one, one way that they solved. And then they also um, are trying to divide the unit by saying that team needs and team lead assistants are supervisors. Uh, oh, like okay, lower yeah. management. They have hiring and firing that, power? Yeah. That, they do not. They do not. <laughs> they definitely do not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very reminiscent of uh, when we recently covered the New York Times Tech Guild, who have been trying to unionize there. One of the strategies that the union-busting law firm that they hired suggested to the New York Times leadership was to spl- do exactly that, was to take basically like one portion, like I think it was like project managers who, who as just like what you were saying, like they don't have hiring and firing power. They're clearly not management, but 
by trying to reclassify a, a sizable portion of the bargaining unit as no, this is a completely different classification. These people don't count. Like they, they, you know, they're already trying to eat into your numerical support. And it's really, I, I, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to see like how many of these tactics that, that you're facing are, you know, being rolled out across different industries. Like with the, the shell company, you were talking the talentopia thing, like, we see stuff like that, although not, not in quite the timing way where, oh, wait, there's a union drive. Suddenly, let's, sh- let's set up this independent contracting company. That's, I think that's a, a new one, <laughs> timing-wise, as, as, as far as stuff that we've seen. But just like using that sort of misclassification and that sort of contract labor to undermine you know, organizing efforts is something that especially in the tech industry like with google that's that's been a rampant problem um so yeah it's very very interesting to see that they're they've clearly identified yeah let's pull all of these these bullshit tactics in here and, and try and throw everything in the kitchen sink at you guys. <laughs> yes. like i said uh, one of the owners is kind of a tech pro guy and he really sees himself in like this travis Kalanick kind of vision and so a lot of their playbook and the way that they've structured this company is coming straight from companies like Uber and Lyft and DoorDash, which are these companies explicitly designed to break taxi unions, yeah. um, to break the UFCW. So they're getting this playbook straight from Silicon Valley. They've been a lot more ham-handed in implementing this. Yeah. Um, not a good look to start one-on-ones with employees and how we're after they are subpoenaed to testify in court. But <laughs> wow. They, they are kind of, they're very much following this, like, you know, Amazon, Google, Uber playbook. That makes perfect right. sense. I guess I, one question that I have is you were mentioning that you uh, filed back in July and then you were facing all of these, these like kind of um, delays. Uh, does it look like you're going to get an election anytime soon? And will you like, will people like what will the workers that you're looking to be included in that election be included or, or where, where kind of are you in that particular, in that part of the process? Well, right now, uh, I think the day of recording September 22nd, uh, is the due date of the unit hearing briefs for both UE and management. Um, the NLRB will look at you know the supervisory issue and the you know community of interest issue with you know all of these different like clubs in HIPR, etc. And they will get to decide. The NLRB will get to decide in their own timeline. And so once they make that decision, um, you know depending on you know, on other, you know, union busting um, techniques they have, especially, like, with um, our emails and um, G-chats and uh, profile pictures, um, we might have to maybe sit through some of that while dealing with an election. So we don't really know. We hope it's soon, but we also know that the NLRB... um, you know, it doesn't have like a very strict timeline for this case review. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you're basically doing this right now or well, 
I guess that yeah, it would be you're 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 going through the stipulations of the election then. Um I guess in my experience that can be anywhere from one week to like two months or or more sometimes. So yeah, there's kind of a, a big gray area in, in whether or not they're gonna get that handled quickly. Uh yeah, I, I was gonna ask just I, I so you faced all of this, these different, you know, union busting tactics some of which clearly seem to, to violate, uh, the NLRA. Um, have y'all filed any, you know, any sort of unfair labor practices or anything against, uh, against the company to try and get them to stop doing this shit? Yeah. So we have filed a few ULPs. Um, they're being investigated right now. So we'll see how that goes. All of their actions are like very blatantly illegal. Some of us have also retained independent counsel um, to kind of get say, get the ball rolling a bit in ways that is a bit less on government time, although the courts are obviously still the government. Right. But we're actively pursuing that. We're also, and you know, if you're listening, Claire and Scott, we're coming for you. Like we're planning to take further direct actions against the company. And we think that's going to be our best protection in the long run. Ultimately, what the owners care about is money because they clearly don't care about their clients and they clearly don't care about their employees. So, you know, we're going to we're going to come for their public reputation and we're going to come for the bottom line and we're going to do it legally. But it's uh, their call how they want to face that. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And and if you and if the boss is listening to this and you. Uh, try to reach out to us for any reason. You can fuck off. Uh, we're not interested <laughs> in talking to you. <laughs> oh, and they are listening to this. Like, absolutely. Just the other week, they threatened to sue someone over an anonymous Reddit post that that person had nothing to do with. Oh, really? So, wow. So it doesn't even matter if you uh, if you go out and anonymously put this shit out into the ether, because if anybody does it, they're just going to run around the office like pointing fingers at people. That seems kind of uh, insane. <laughs> yeah. So I know, like, obviously, you know, y'all are fighting for fairer wages, better working conditions, consistency in, in, in treatment of workers and all, all the other stuff that you've talked about. But I know specifically when we were talking before with regards to just some of the business practices at Hudson legal, could, could you maybe like briefly just tell us like, what is the vision that, that y'all see for when you do win your union? Like, what would you guys like to see change and, and what would you like to use the, the power of the union to really do to try and, you know, shape the, the direction of the business in a, in a, in a better way? Uh, um, well, I can go first. I'm sure Jake also has their own uh, vision, but you know, once we win the union, um, and get the union contracts uh, bargained because we can anticipate that, you know, if management is pulling out all these stops for the uh, election process, that they might not, probably not, will not come to the bargaining table in good faith. Right. Um, you know, and at this point, um, you know, we, we still, that even after all of their scare tactics and intimidation, we're still at 70% support. Uh, we, you know, 
Absolutely. That's, that's this is a super important reason to to be doing this as well. I mean, uh, like, as we know, immigration is historically exploitative in the United States, especially. And and I mean, and what labor is often uh, heavily exploited. And, and this union just seems like it's going to be good for, you know, everyone, like the people who are actually doing the work and the people who, who need the help. Um. So, so it's really good to see that y'all are doing this. I guess uh, at this point, we uh, would like to ask if uh, there's any ways that our listeners can help you out, or if there's um, anything extra that you would like uh, the listeners to know about this whole process that you're going through. Yeah, so we have a Twitter at HW United for, for at Hudson Workers United. Um, we will be posting ways that the community can support us there. If you want to follow us, that would be really great. Um, help us out with call-ins, pickets, stuff like that, that I'm sure we'll have coming up soon. If you are a university student, a professor, a postdoc, if you're in, really anyone at a university, but especially if you're there in a student or a graduate capacity, um, please, please, please reach out to us. You could very likely help us. You can reach out to us at Twitter at HW United. We also have an email, HudsonWorkers at UEUnion.org. Um, if you, especially if you're in a grad program or a postdoc program or like a medical internship, 
if you know a researcher who is looking to get a green card on a national interest waiver visa or a EB-1 visa, please tell them what's going on at this firm. Um, we don't have recommendations for what people should do with their immigration case. That's obviously a very personal thing. And, you know, what's best for you depends on a bunch of factors. But we do want people to make an informed decision when they choose their lawyer. And right now the company is not giving its clients an honest account of its practices. And so we want its clients and its potential clients to know what's going on at the firm. Oh, sounds like you guys care a lot about this and and the people that are are being affected by it. That's that's really great. Um, Glenn, did you want to uh, say anything uh, before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think it's important to remember that uh, you know at the end of the day, uh, the majority of us are in the struggle together. And, um, you know, to see people from different offices and then remotely hired workers come together in this way, um, to me personally, has been very inspiring. And as the, you know, work, uh, is, you know, the workplace evolves, you know, from this pandemic, um, I am hopeful that uh, more of more remote workers will join us in organizing their remote workplaces so that we can continue the labor movement uh, throughout the U.S. Beautifully said. Absolutely. Um, and one last thing, if you work for Talentopia, sign a union card. We're organizing you too. If you get an ad for Talentopia, fuck them. Do not start working there. perfect 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 well that's great uh so listeners make sure to follow them on twitter at uh hw united and i guess on that note uh we are glad to show solidarity with y'all and we really hope that your project goes well um if you'd like thank you for coming on the show yeah thank you so much Thank you so much for having us. I guess on yeah. I guess on that note, uh, we want to thank our supporters. Uh, We couldn't do the show without you, and we will see you next time. Uh, As always, labor peace is not in our interest. Solidarity forever. Solidarity. Solidarity, everybody. (laughs) 